The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You are listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 36. So today we have Jamie Englehart in the house. We're going to be talking about his new book, Myths and Mistranslations, Unpacking 70 Misconceptions About God and the Bible. Misconceptions. Anyway, uh, he is a great friend of mine. He is my spiritual father, and one of those guys that although he doesn't self-identify as a New Age Christian. He has been open and unafraid of all the concepts that I have presented. He shares this podcast with his community on relevant topics. And I love the fact that there is a community of people out there that are just open and honest and willing to journey together and let each other be free. I've learned a lot of that attitude and that culture from this man. I'm so excited for you to finally meet him, even with his scratchy voice, which is totally made for radio. I think you'll agree. So let's get started and have some fun. All right, New Age Christian family, here we are with Jamie Englehart, the one and only. And uh, <laughs> as I've mentioned in previous episodes, Jamie Englehart is my spiritual father. And um, someday we'll have to do an episode on fathering. I would love to do that. That'd be awesome. But today we're going to talk about his uh, new book, Myths and Mistranslations, Unpacking the Misconceptions About God and the Bible, which if you're watching the video, here's a copy of the book. And uh, we're going to uh, do a giveaway with this. It's a signed copy. Signed copy. Blessed by the rabbi. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, so, as a way of a quick introduction, I met Jamie, what, four years ago? About that, yeah, four or five. Through a church, a local church here in Traverse City, yep. Redeeming Grace Church, uh, Tim and Cindy Markham, and they're an awesome family. And um, you know how life goes. You just connect with people on a different level. And, and let me just say that if someone who's doing an organization called New Age Christianity, I kind of lean towards challenging thoughts and pushing against norms and being a bit of a rebel. And uh, so for me to find somebody that I can call my spiritual father. <laughs> He's a heretic. Right. There's, there's, there's got to be, there's got to be something, uh, something kindred there. So Absolutely. I've love having somebody in my life that I can go to and say, Hey, here's the craziest thought that I've had lately. And not once have you looked at me like, dude, you're going to hell now. You right, know? right. You lost your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, um, but it is nice. It's super, I appreciate it. every time we get, can get together and everything like that. And this book, I remember how it started. Right. You came out with a whole series on Facebook, just like, and what was the motivation behind that? Uh, you know, it just started with Facebook posts. I come up with the idea of myths and mistranslations. It was probably at that time, 26, 27 years of study of stuff that I've just found just myth that we've been taught about God, uh, all kinds of mistranslations in the Bible that I've come across through the years. And so I started writing these on Facebook and was getting a lot of response, a lot of but people were sharing them like all over the world. Mm. And uh, I got to about 20 and I had a Bible school in, in India contact me and they're like, you know, how many more of these are you doing? Because we're using these in our Bible school, <laughs> you know, and I was like, wow. And they're like, can you put all these together? And it dawned on me, man, I'm 
stinking writing a book right here on Facebook. Right, right. You know, I guess that's why it's Facebook. <laughs> you know, I was writing a book on Facebook. And so, man, you know, uh, I stopped at 70. I probably could have went at least probably almost double that, but I didn't want the book super big. I might do a follow-up in the future. Part two. Yeah, Yeah, that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, it just started there. I didn't even realize I was writing a book. And uh, people have been after me all through my late 20s, 30s, and 40s to write a book. And the truth is I'm glad I didn't because I would have probably now wished no one would ever read it. Right. Uh, and But I'm decently confident most of that. And some of that probably in the next 10 years will probably <laughs> change too. I'll probably have to do a revised version and say, wait a minute, I don't even agree with that anymore right there. Because uh, we're constantly, constantly growing and increasing. That's why, you know, I, I always enjoy, you know, being around you and a lot of, you know, guys you hang out and run with. Because you're just open-minded. It's not... Right. being closed-minded to stuff. And I think uh, even what what you mentioned, I think the whole, uh, and I know it's not a thing on, on fathering, but it's just kind of triggered to me when you said that, uh, you know, just like in our natural life, we don't choose our natural parents. Right. And I think where people get messed up is they run around looking for something rather than letting God organically put a relationship together, you know, because I don't think you have to run around and, and chase, you know, I call it 1-800-RENADAD. You know, everybody's running around looking for somebody famous to connect to. I think God will bring the relationships in your life that add value and strength. And I I always like to tell people, because when people hear the the term spiritual father, they start to freak out because Jesus said, call no man father. Oh, right. You know, and so I always like to preface that with, obviously, Paul said, you know, the greatest commandment, uh, a promise in the New Testament is children honoring your mother and your father. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with calling your dad natural or spiritual father. But the word father, pater in the Greek is source or originator. Mm. So what Jesus was saying is don't call any human your originator or your source. Because our natural parents and any spiritual parents, they're not a source in our life. They're a resource that should constantly point us to the source. Is this one of the myths or mistranslations? Uh, no, that's actually not, that's not, that's not in the book. That's that too. But I mean, I think it's just so important for people whenever they hear, because people have gotten weird ideas about the whole spiritual father thing. And there's people that got into all kinds of control and fear manipulation. For sure. And, and I always tell people, I said, for me, my job is just simply to be a resource to constantly point people back to the source, not to make minions right. or sycophants, so, you know, a bunch of people that are trying to be like me. It's to help them become more like Christ. And that's really what our natural parents should do. And any mentor, spiritual parents, that, that should be the goal is uh, helping the individuals become more of who God meant them to be on the earth. So, Love it. I, yeah. You know, again, this is not an episode on fathering. Maybe it will be. We'll figure it out. But I, I've had spiritual fathers in the, in my past that I acknowledge more as mentors. And, you know, yeah. very special to me. There is one that I would, I would say, I uh, Tony Tadella very much throw him in that yeah. world. And H. G. Miller. I've, I've in my life, I've had these relationships that um, acknowledging what they are provides it like ten x is the value that you can get. Absolutely, and absolutely. so having this connection with you for eh, maybe a year and a half, two yeah. years. And, and then we went to one of your, your annual conference where Tony Fitzgerald was there yeah. and he talked about fathering. Papa and, of Papa's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and both Christopher Teasdale and I were there and we were like, dude, this is, it was just the time. It yeah. was time for it to yeah. acknowledge. Like if you put value in the relationship or you, and you call it what it is, you do, you get so much more out of it because it's been acknowledged. I agree. Absolutely. And then you don't have to, you know, it's not groveling and right. all that. It just doesn't add all that. It doesn't have to add all that other stuff, right, right. but just an acknowledgement of like, Hey, this is who, and I'm telling this audience, like this is who Jamie Englehart is in my life. I yep. love finally, 
you know, you're a busy dude. Life has been a bit crazy. So it's true. I think this is episode 36. So finally, you'll get, get you in here in the first year. I'm sure we'll, you'll be back over time. Absolutely. So yeah, I appreciate having you on and appreciate you in my life. My honor, man. Love you guys. <laughs> and uh, again, as we were talking about, and we, I'm sure we will talk about the potential of things changing, even that are in the book. I have so many authors I've ever talked to are like, by the time it goes to print, you're like, dang it. It's true. <laughs> You know, you haven't even sold your first copy and you already disagree with yourself. It's true. <laughs> I'm hoping that New Age Christianity can be essentially a thought form that allows room for that. Yeah. You know, kudos to you and people like you who, I mean, this is your living. Yeah. And it can be very easy to say, hey, if I say this, I'm going to lose this bunch of people. And there's still a truth to that and there's a wisdom yeah. to balancing it. But at the same time, like you do push a lot and you... It's true. I think, I think you have a, a following of people that kind of expects a little bit of a challenge. Right. And uh, right. who knows, maybe it'll get even more and more challenging. We'll see. You're on New Age Christianity no podcast. Doubt. Right? No doubt. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so to the book. Yeah. I know you. we kind of got into how it was written, but uh, what was your kind of motivation behind all those posts? Why Why do you? Yeah. You know, where does this kind of come from? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, I, I just, years ago, I studied the difference between darkness and light. And, you know, John 1 actually tells us light is a personality because it said the darkness uh, came, uh, the light came and the dark darkness, the darkness perceived it not. So a thing doesn't have a perception, mm. you know, it's like a being. And actually darkness and light in Greek, uh, when you study it out, it actually gives a picture of knowledge and ignorance. Hmm. That actually the light, the knowledge dispelled the darkness or the ignorance. And I mean, one thing I prayed for years, every church I minister in every conference, one thing I pray is really kind of cursing, if you may, ignorance, hmm. you know, because I hate ignorance in myself. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> ignorance is just an irritation to me. I mean, my name, Jamie or James means truthful. Okay. And so I've just always been. Uh, desiring of truth from the time I was a little child. I mean, my dad is a preacher. You know, my mom, my grandmother were teachers in, in the body of Christ, and I would stump them. I mean, you know, six, seven, eight years old, I'd ask them questions that drove them crazy, you know, because they didn't have the answers for it. And so I always have questioned things. I always was a seeker of truth, and regardless of the truth, you know, regardless of if it's Bible truth or scientific truth or, you know, I mean, right. truth, truth is is truth, you know, and there's a lot of stuff, uh, you know, that's in the, that's not in the Bible. That's truth, you know? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Which is shocking uh, to, some, to some evangelical Christians, but it's that, I think that desire. And, and so then the book, what it really came out of was all the years of study of things that I heard taught and things I heard said that I found out were just not true at all. Right. You know? And so, uh, that caused me to be down that road. And I just started it hit me one day. I was like, I'm going to put these up on Facebook because it was questions people were always asking me as I traveled right. all around the world. And so I started putting them up and then people are like, man, you know, we love this. We Because what I found is most people have been asking the same questions. Right. There's just not been forums that are healthy <laughs> that they can actually ask you because in church, you know, you can't ask half the time. I mean, listen, I love preachers. I love men of women of God. But half the time you can't ask them these questions because they're really not well studied and well read enough to have the answers. 
Right. And so a lot of times when they don't have the answers, you know, the response is don't touch God's anointed. And it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm just asking you a question, <laughs> you know, it's like, and by the way, we're all God's anointed in, in the new covenant. So right. shut up, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it's the answers that we've given to people, uh, you know, in my parents' culture was when you asked a question, it was just because I said so. You know, I mean, there was perfect. Yeah. I was like, why do we do that? Because I said so, you know, or, or the classic, because the Bible says so, you know, mm. it's like, well, yeah, but why, you know? And so now we're living in the information age and people my age, cause I'm, I'm almost 52, you right. know, but guys, my age and older, they're not knowing what to do with your generation and younger because you guys aren't swallowing this crap anymore. You know, you're just like, <laughs> listen, man, if you're going to give, if you're just going to pull an answer out of your butt. You know, I mean, we're not going to come listen to you anymore. Right. And because nowadays people don't have to, they can go online and they can Google stuff. You know, it's like, I, mean, I, right. I try to tell guys my age and older, you can't just get up and say whatever you want anymore. People are checking out your sources. All right. right. They're, they're looking up Greek words while you're, while you're in the middle of your sermon. They're not just playing on the phone. Yeah. They're not playing solitaire. <laughs> Hello. You know, and I mean, for some reason though, uh, and, and, and I think most of it is spiritual pride. Hmm is the reason people get afraid of questions. You know, I, I remember, you know, when Rob Bell put out Love Wins, you know, I mean, people were throwing a fit and, you know, it caused me to want to run and read it. You know, I'm just right. like, man, if he's sticking off all these religious people, <laughs> he's got to be saying something decent. If that guy over there's mad, I'm interested right. in what God is mad. <laughs> Seriously. And I mean, I remember I read the book and I'm like, what's everybody so mad about? I mean, you know, all he does is ask questions in this book and every question he asked is stuff I'd asked Right. From the time I was a little child. But I think what it did was because he was so well known at the time in the church world is it caused the average quote unquote lay person right, to now ask their pastor these questions right. and they didn't have the answers. And rather than just humble themselves and say, I don't know. I mean, I get inboxes from people all over the world asking me questions. They're like, well, what about this passage of scripture? I'm like, I don't know. I ain't studied it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just I've like, seen you say that many times. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, I mean, if I don't know, dude, humble yourself and just say, man, I don't know. But man, that's a great question, you know. But it was almost like we had generations of leaders right? where they were almost taught to you had to have the answer. And I think I've actually commented a few times in previous episodes about in the last age, right? So this is new age Christianity is about embracing the fact that everything has changed. Every freaking thing has changed. changed. And the internet has done it. Technology has done it. Even, you know, I mean, heck, the the locomotive engine is only 150 years old, maybe 200 years old. I mean, so from trains, planes, and automobiles to cell phones and internet and everything, nothing is the same. So for relatively 2,000 years, for an age, the age of Pisces, the man of God having the answers, well, he was likely the only person who could read. He was likely the only person that had ever been to college. He was Absolutely. likely the only person that had any time on his hands to even think about something beyond. Or even access to a Bible. Right. 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 So I get that for hundreds of years, yeah. that man of God, you know, he has the answers. And if, like, your ability to question and double check and say, that kind of feels like bullshit, but I don't know. I can't prove you wrong <laughs> right. because. I can't read. It doesn't right, feel right. right. It doesn't match what I'm experiencing in the field with my flock, but whatever. I guess you must be right. Right. So I get that. Yep. But now, like, the church is trying to keep that, and it's, I'm thinking I'm going to write a book, you know. It's not working. The Golden Fisherman about yeah. this, like, the age is moving on, and the church is building an idol to the last age. Yeah. No different than the Israelites did at the base of the mountain when they built the golden calf, no which was an idol to Taurus. So we've got a whole group of people who aren't moving on with the ages, aren't moving on with what God is doing. And 
that is why I think any ministry, any any ministry that's going to survive this transition is going to have to be one that it becomes known as a safe place to ask questions. Absolutely. As a safe place to journey and a safe place yep. to be wrong. Yeah. And if you're not, fine. But you're going to die with the last aid. You I, may have a great ministry for a while, right. but it won't I, last. I, I, I've always kind of coined it along the lines of, of proceeding word. You know, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So in other words, it's a moving mm. message. Uh, he doesn't say man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that precedes out of the mouth of God. Huh. And I think a lot of people are living by a preceding word. That's not a <laughs> proceeding word. You know, and there's a reason why God said, uh, you know, when you go into uh, every day in the wilderness, he said, get up every morning and there's going to be manna for you every morning. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, he actually didn't say manna. He just said, I'm going to provide for you every morning. The people called it manna, right. which was not the name they gave it. It's a phrase. What is it? Right. And in other words, it was something different. Like what day. we had for breakfast this morning. Right. And they're like, every day it was manna. Because if it was the same thing, they would have given it a name. They would have built a headquarters around it, built a museum in about 20 years. Instead, it was something new every day. And why I believe that is because his mercies are new every morning. Mm. So every day they got up and were like, what is it today, God? Not what was it? Because that's why God said, if you keep the manna from today to tomorrow, it's going to turn into bugs and maggots. In other words, it's going to turn into hell. It's going to turn into the darkness of the Mm. next day because you're not walking in the light of the new day. And wow. so uh, that's why Peter, um, remember how Peter said it, he said that you might be established in present truth. And present truth is not, you know, sometimes it's an old truth, but it's being presented in a fresh and a new way. And I've made up my mind years ago. I said, I always want to be in the middle of the proceeding word, not the preceding word. Wow. And, the, and obviously Jesus says, you know, give us this day our daily bread, which is a reference back to the manna concept, that daily Absolutely. sustenance. And I've never actually thought of it the this way, just that reality of when you get stuck i've never been one to get stuck right you know so that doesn't really come naturally to me and i think this audience is filled with people that are they're not stuck but when you do get stuck and you try to keep the thing you try to keep that mountaintop experience from 20 years ago at youth camp yeah it gets rotten to me a great example is abraham and isaac god speaks a proceeding word to abraham he said take your son up on the hill offer him as a sacrifice Mm -hmm. you know what always bothered me about that is there was no you know, there was no discussion, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, if I heard 30 audible voices, kill your son, Brandon, I'd be like, hell no, <laughs> right. you know, it is not happening. You know, you're going to have to kill him yourself. Cause I'm not killing my kid, man. You've lost your mind. Right. I'll get thee behind me, Satan. You know I mean? I'd be rebuking some, <laughs> but on the way to fulfill the proceeding word, he keeps listening. Right. And so now three days later, he's got the knife in the air and he's ready to do what God said. But his ears open to what God is saying. And so now the proceeding word comes and says, now don't do it. You know, and a lot of times people would say, well, that's double minded because God told you to go here one day and a week later he tells you to go there. You know, and it's like, well, yeah, but that's you're listening to the proceeding word. Most people would have killed Isaac and said, God told me. Oh, my gosh. I've (laughs) I've just come through a season where I've had to live this. Yeah. Certain things that God said, dreams I've had, like and yet realizing if I'm not listening in the moment, I will miss the entire point of this exercise. Absolutely. And wow, that's so, yeah, because yeah, people would. God told me. Right. God gave me an assignment 10 years ago and I'm just going to go do it. Right. So the last time you listened to Spirit was 10 years ago? <laughs> Come on. Like, <laughs> it's true. And it's like what the vision can't shift, the vision can't change. It's, you know, mm-hmm. to me, the mission never changes. 
Sure. The vision constantly does. You know, like my mission yesterday was to drive from Kalamazoo up here to Traverse City. The, the mission wasn't changing, but my vision on the journey was constantly changing. Right. I think we mix up mission statements and vision statements. You know, I think a lot of times the mission is clear. The vision is constantly changing on the journey, wow. uh, you know, as we go. And that may not be business vision and mission. Oh, I wouldn't I, even know. Right. <laughs> but, but our CEO type stuff. But I mean, it, I think it's definitely kingdom because sure. in the kingdom, our vision is constantly transforming as we're on the journey. But our mission is clear, wow. you know, and if we keep the mission as the main thing, the vision can go a hundred different ways. But it's listening to what is God saying? He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying, not what the Spirit said. Yeah. I think a lot of people are living in what he said and not what he's saying. That's right along the lines of one of the earmarks of uh, what I'm trying to kind of build in this community is to be a people in search of principles, yep. not answers. Very good. Because the answers change depending on who you are, <laughs> when you are, where you are, yeah, well, why I, you are. I, I, I love what Apostle Tony, and, and you've probably shared it on here before, but one of, my, one of uh, Tony Fitzgerald's, one of his favorite sayings, uh, that I've heard him now about eight years ago share. He said, never tell your children when I was your age. Right. You that, know, that wonderful he, saying yeah, that immediately said, insults said, everybody. <laughs> exactly. He said, you were never their age. You were their years. Oh, wow. But yeah. you were never their age. You know, because it's like my dad, you know, I had to walk five miles to school. And I was like, well, I had to walk two blocks to the bus. My kids are like, I got driven to school. You know, I mean, it's, right. it's because the age has changed. Right. You know, I mean, I didn't have the internet growing up. I mean, my kids did. My granddaughter now, I mean, she does stuff in my phone. I don't even know what's in there. You right. know I, mean? I mean, I'm like, how did you get to that? How'd you do that? <laughs> and I mean, she's like three years old flying through my phone doing stuff. Well, because they're living in a different age. Now, right. we can always relate to being a 16-year-old, but we can never relate to the 16-year-old's age. Right. And I think that's the thing that's extremely important. Wow. So good. There's a lot of people in this group that are Christians or yeah. former Christians. Yeah. Some left in a beautiful way, like me. I was telling you, like I, I grew in understanding, I grew in maturity, and I, and I left churchianity right. in a beautiful way. I didn't leave with a whole bunch of hurt. Yeah. Like, I've had hurt, but I've, I've dealt with it. I mean, like, yep. some people in this audience have left, like, screw y'all, y'all are stupid. And so, if you're someone in this audience who's you know former Christian and you're not all that interested, actively interested in what the Bible says or any of that. I can promise you this book and this man <laughs> sitting here have the capacity to at least heal a lot of shit because you, you may not be personally interested in the moment, but how nice would it be to be able to look at what, what you were told and realize, Oh wow. It was just a bunch of people. Yeah. It wasn't, it's not the God. Come on. Like it's not really God. Yeah. And you instinctively knew that. And that's why you left or that's why you're leaving. Yeah. But uh, I'm hoping this book, and I love the fact it's 70 of them, right? 70, yes. So, and there are in the world 70 chapters. Is that kind of? Yeah, I mean, just headings. I don't even really do chapters because it's more of really a devotional read. They're only about a page and I have two pages each. That's it's, perfect. Yeah, it's really easy. You know, I think coming back to what you were just talking about, that I mean, just kind of triggered this whole thing in me. Yeah. I think so many people, I've said this for years, that most people are not running from Jesus. Hmm. They're running from crazy Christians. <laughs> you know, they're running from religion. You know, I read a book several years ago. It says uh, they like Jesus. They just don't want anything to do with the church. Right. And I absolutely get it. But I don't really think it's as much of people being done with church as people are done with religion. Right. And I think if they begin to see genuine community, genuine questions, a healthy place for dialogue, 
you know, I mean, uh, the church that we started uh, here in Michigan, I mean, I did a once a month dialogue service where we would advertise it. We're going to talk about this like two weeks from now, mm-hmm. you know, and we did everything from contradictions in the Bible to, you know, discussing hell to discussing end times, last days. I mean, the, the elephants in the room. And it was always not only our best attended because we had a lot of millennials in our church. They loved it because they were able to ask questions. Right. And I would just kind of sit in the chair you know, there in the chair, five minutes, sit in the chair. And then uh, a lot of times didn't have answers either. You know, I mean, you know this because you've been a part of our leadership summits. Right. I stopped doing Q&A like eight years ago and it's Q&R. It's questions and responses. Right. So I always tell people, if you wanted all the answers, you should have talked to me in my 20s and 30s when I knew everything. <laughs> you know, because I always thought that by the time I hit 50, I'd have all kinds of answers. And I realize, man, the older I'm getting, I have more questions yeah. and that that is OK. God doesn't freak out on our questions. Uh, he doesn't freak out when, you know, we get upset. So I, I try to tell people all the time, you know, listen, don't judge Jesus according to some of the craziness you've been around. Right. Because that's not who he is. It's what religion is. And it's it's the dirty little secret in that a lot of Christians don't know is that the New Age community has adopted a lot of the same dogmatic energy. That a lot of that same, like, if you don't agree with us, you're going to hell. Although it's a different thing, you know. Religious about not being religious. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's no different than, you know, the political religion that now, you know, people worship liberals or, you know, liberals or conservatives. I mean, it's it's the human need for dogma and the desire to feel in control and certainty. certainty. I understand the need for predictability. Right. Nobody wants to sure. wake up every day and I have no clue. Like it's right. nice to know you got a job right. or, you know, right. you know, certain people you can call and they'll answer the phone call. I get that, but nothing is certain. No. And I mean, I've been, not. I've been going through Ecclesiastes lately. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that's well, a fun, that's a fun book. I'll tell you what, that guy, <laughs> I thought it was crazy for years, but I'm starting to see a little bit more about what this man was really saying. Yeah, I just like the part of eat, drink, and be merry. Exactly. And <laughs> Chapter nine. All is vanity, man. Let's just, let's just have a party. And so stuff. enjoy your life. <laughs> So what are some of your personal favorites, regardless of Christian? Like, what are some of your personal favorites out of the book? Well, to me, I mean, probably myth number one. Okay. You know, just because myth number one kind of punches you in the nose a little bit if you're, especially if you're religious. And myth number one is that Lucifer is the devil. You know, uh, just, <laughs> you know, I came out with that one first and that one got a lot of traction to say the least. I, yeah. I got called a heretic up one side, down the other. And of course, uh, you know, for those of you that maybe haven't, read the book yet or did a study on this, you know, the word Lucifer is actually not in the original text of the Bible. Nope. I mean, it is a Latin word that is describing the day, the morning star, day star Venus. And it's only in Isaiah 14. Mm-hmm. And for some reason we built whole theologies in like the Christian world on this Lucifer character. Right. Light bearer. Right. Exactly. Light bearer and day star. And what's funny is in the new Testament, Jesus is called the day star. Right. So it's like, you know, okay, so is Isaiah 14 a type of the devil or, you know, and I always tell people, I said, I'm just going to stick with Jesus. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven. He didn't say anything about Lucifer. Mm-hmm. And then he said, the devil is a liar and the father of lies and he was a liar from the beginning. Doesn't say he was an angel who became a liar. Right. So, I mean, we have this whole idea because myth number two is that a third of the angels fell with Lucifer, which, which first of all, there, there's yes. not a, even an individual called Lucifer because Isaiah 14 is talking about Nebuchadnezzar. Right. actually in its historical context. And it's not talking about a person, it's talking about, literally about a star. And I always tell people, I said, if you want it to be in typology, if you want it to be a part of an individual, 
it would be Adam more than it would be anybody else. Because right. Adam said, I will ascend and be like God. Adam was, quote unquote, he took the praises of creation to God. Right. You know, Eden was his throne. I mean, not some principality in power or whatever people want to people want to call it. And so uh, it's just amazing. <laughs> I mean, even the book of Enoch, where we get a lot of this from, the book of Enoch says the angel that called the, caused the rebellion in heaven was Azazel. I mean, there's not even an angel named Lucifer, you know, but all of a sudden, you know, we just built, it's mythology. I mean, that's the right. thing that I've realized that so much of what we believe is Greek mythology. It's Roman mythology. It's Egyptian mythology. I mean, wow. this, it just blows me away because we're not even looking at stuff in context. And you've heard me say this a lot of times, you know, a text out of context is a con, mm -hmm. you know, and we've been conned to believe all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that one to me is one of my favorite because that's who I was always terrified of. And, you know, one of the other ones that go along with that is that hell is the devil and demons headquarters. Right. You know, and actually the Bible even says that they've never been there. You know, actually, that they would like be cast there. I mean, that was like, yeah, don't send us there before it's time. Right. It was like a future, <laughs> a future thing. And so, you know, you know, people will be like, oh, my gosh, all hell's coming against me. And I'm like, so the grave is attacking you. Right. You know, because that's all the word hell means is grave or the hell Jesus talked about was the Valley of Hinnom. And I'm like, so a valley over in Jerusalem has been attacking you all this week. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. and I know what people are saying. What they're saying is, oh, man, you know, the demonic. It's just been coming after me. And it's like, actually, that's not how this works. All right. The Bible says about the devil that he goes about on the earth seeking whom he may devour. All right? right. The prince of the power of the air. I mean, they've never been in hell. You know, I mean, so he had the keys of death in the grave, but actually never been there. So, I mean, I'm like, and again, most of it comes from Dante's Inferno. And we're thinking of red devils with horns and tails. And I mean, just all this terrifying stuff that the Bible don't even really talk about. So, I mean, it just, it blows me away. Right. How much stuff that we have been taught. And, and I think our struggle, and I share this one a lot of times when I talk about the book, our struggle in receiving new truth, I know probably not this audience, but a lot of places, the struggle in receiving new truth is where the truth came from. I learned that from my grandma. Oh. And my grandma was the most kind, loving, godly person. Or you know what? My pastor growing up. Man, he dedicated me to the Lord. He baptized me in water. He married my wife and I. He was one of the most godly, kind, sweet persons and sincerely wrong about a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> All right, but I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, I tease. I mean, you know, I dedicated part of the book to my dad because I mean, I tease my dad. Most of these 70 myths are stuff he taught me growing up in right. church because he was my pastor. All right. And, you know, and I mean, you know, I tell him, I said, Dad, don't feel bad about that. You did the best you could with what you knew. You couldn't go push a button on a phone and find all this stuff oh my gosh. in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. You just, you know, I mean, I still remember, you know, fresh out of Bible school when I wanted to order a theology book or something. I had to go to a local Bible bookstore, put in an order, and wait sometimes two weeks to a month to get it in. Now I can push a button on my phone. It's immediately downloaded into my Kindle. I mean, man, it's an awesome age right that's, now to live in. I mean, crazy. it really is. But, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, those are the things I love because I think that's why so much of the body of Christ is in a deconstruction period right now. Mm -hmm. And we're deconstructing the myth. You know, and there's so many myths. Oh, my God. Mythology. I love the yes. full word, you know, <laughs> exactly. mythology, because that's what it is. Theology. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was thinking when you were talking about the um, who it came from, that is, you know, it came from my grandma, it came from my pastor, it came from my parents. I think the number one, like, well, I had an experience 10 years ago and this truth changed my life 10 years ago. Right. 
So it even came from yourself. It even came from spirit. Yeah. And this idea, like, so did you just make camp there? Like, did right. you or proceeding? Even, you proceeding. Know, yeah. Yeah. It's that. It's right. that. Even if it comes from you or from God Himself, it's still in a progression of growth and maturity. Glory to glory and, to glory. Yeah. To glory, and absolutely. Yeah. And so yeah, I had this thing that changed my. Literally, I have. And again, Jesus says with Nicodemus in John 3, this audience has heard it many times, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. You must be born of water and of spirit to, to enter, enter the kingdom. Jesus lays like out a, a map. To inherit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Jesus lays out step one, step two, step three. You know, They all equal step four, Absolutely. which is born of God. Yeah. And so even Jesus says there's journey. Well, I was born, I had a born of water experience, which is the removal of the sin nature, the death of that old man, yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Am I going to stop and make camp? You know, and it was spirit who led me there. It changed my life. No it was doubt. beautiful. No so, yeah, that's who it came from is a big, big thing for people. So I, I agree. Well, and because then we feel like I'm not being loyal if I embrace this, mm. you know, like I'm being disloyal towards them if I begin to believe this because I wasn't raised being taught that. And that's where you just have to get to a place of saying, you know, they didn't know everything. You know, I mean, I just, <laughs> and that comes from this idea. I was just thinking, like feeling that because you're right. And I'm like, for me, it's kind of weird. Like, why would that equal disloyalty for a lot of people? It does yeah. because they, they think, they think the point of it is agreement that if I don't agree with you, I can't actually love you. If I don't agree Absolutely. with you, I can't be in community with you. Yeah. If I don't agree with you, we can't sit down and break bread together. Yeah. And so that's a whole nother like way like and we see it in the political discussion. We see it in. And that's a, that's an orphan mindset. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is because it's comparing one another with others and really than having rather than having a true heart of a son of God that realizes, man, I stay in my lane. I'm unique from you. I'm not supposed to be you. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to be me. And, and to celebrate each other's uniqueness and diversity. Yeah. And then laugh at it sometimes <laughs> and don't get offended by the laughter. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you just follow me on Facebook. You'll see all kinds of that. All right. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> what do you, what of, of the, so there's 70 of them. You're right. Which do you think are the most important for the world right now? For the world. Actually, the one that I think is very important, and it's, it's one that Christians or people of faith tend to say whenever there's a difficult situation. Like someone calls them and says, you know, listen, I'm, and my life's falling apart right now. You know, I mean... Uh, you know, I had a loved one die. I had this. And and people of faith tend to, rather than just empathize and listen, hmm. we tend to say the stupidest thing ever. And that is, well, you know, God is in control. You know? <laughs> and it's like, well, wait a minute. I mean, because we don't think about what we're saying a lot of times. We just, we regurgitate sayings that right. we heard around others. But, okay, they just lost a family member. Mm-hmm. And you're saying God is in control. So God killed them. Now, normally what people of faith are meaning is, well, you know what? You know, we know that in the long run, God's going to work everything together for our good. I mean, that's really what they're meaning. Sure. But when you say God is in control, you know, and I do not use the phrase. I said, if God is in control of everything that's going on on this planet, I don't want anything to do with him. Because that means he's okay with the sex slave trade. He's okay with cancer. He's okay with Down syndrome. You know, he's okay when a two-year-old dies of a disease they should never be dying of. And and he's wasting his time with who wins the Super Bowl. And he's wasting his time with... (laughs) Or or, or, God blessed me and gave me favor and I got a parking spot in the front of the mall. I mean, mean, you know, dumb stuff. (laughs) Like like God really cares if you got a parking spot in the front of the mall. And by the way, you know, there was somebody actually walking with crutches that probably could have used that spot better than you. And you got two good legs. You could have parked out a little bit further. You know, I mean, we just say 
dumb stuff that we don't think through past an inch deep. Right. You know, and so I think uh, the whole thing and what I share in the book on that is God is sovereign. He's God. He's Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that's within it and everyone that is within it. But he's not in control of everything that happens. You know, I own a 200 by 200 lot or my house. I'm the sovereign there. I'm the king. That's my house. I, mm-hmm. I own it. Right? But I can't control what the squirrels do. I mean, I can't control these dang skunks that love to come get under my deck and just make all kinds of smelly you know, stuff and everything right. else. I can't control everything that my children did on that piece of property. But I'm, it's still mine. Right. But I'm not in control. And I think in the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 114 or 117, it says that uh, the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth is he given to man. And so it was man that screwed up the planet. And it's going to be man now by the spirit of God living in them that's going to begin to restore it and renew it and transform it. And that's where I think it's it's a passage in Hebrews where it says that under the old covenant, the law was given through angels. Mm. But now in this new covenant, God has placed it in the hands of men. Right. So in other words, if we're going to see a transformation of what's going to go on on the planet, God's placed it in the hands of men, which actually leads to my second one that I think is extremely important. And that is uh, the teaching that the world is going to end. Uh, right. You know, to me, that one, you know, I mean, I grew up terrified most of my life thinking the world was going to end the next day. And I remember, you know, by the time I got 10 years old, I'm like, you know, I'd heard a bunch of stuff and, you know, I started to notice girls, you know, and by the oh. time I was 10, 11 and 12, I was like, man, you know, I mean, I hope the world don't end before I at least have sex. You know, right. I, mean, I, I remember like, that. Yeah. It's like, man, you know, it sounds like it's pretty cool. It's something I want to do someday, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, it's and, all right. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, but this whole idea of man, the scripture is pretty clear. World is without end. You know, the right. earth remains forever. I mean, there's, piles of scripture that actually said the world is not going to end. The world's going to end to somebody today. Right. Their world is going to end. Right. But this world is never going to end. It's world without end. It's ages upon ages. It's This thing's going to continue to increase. And we have part and responsibility like Adam did to now put everything back together again. You know, the, the Jews believe that when their Messiah would come, he would uh, do something called a tikkun olam, was the Hebrew word, which is actually meaning the renovation of the earth. So they believe that when the Messiah would come, he would renovate the planet. You know, now a lot of Christians believe he's just going to blow it all up with fire and destroy it and then make it all new again. But the truth is that's not how this thing works. All right. He's renovating. And I always say this. I say, God is not extreme makeover home edition. Right. I was just thinking, I'm like, what show is that? Yeah, he's, he's flipped this house. Right. You know, it's like extreme makeover, knock it all down, start all over. And God's not knocking it down and starting it all over. He transforms us from the inside out. Right. You know, he's flipping the house. And now for 2,000 years, the kingdom of God has been increasing, it's been advancing, and the world is changing, and it's being transformed. I have a friend of mine who's an author, and he just wrote a book called uh, Why the World Has Been Duped into Believing It's Getting Worse. And it's pretty much all like secular like statistics. It's not even like churchianity or churchy, churchies type right, stuff. Right, right. And it's all statistics showing, man, the world is better today than it's ever been. I, I always say it's only like a crazy American future as Christians. That say, oh man, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, we're in the last days, things are falling apart. While they're driving down the road in their Lexus, they pull up into their 3,000 square foot house with a two car garage, two and a half car garage, and mm-hmm. watching TV on a 70 inch flat screen. But the world's getting worse. It's falling, it's falling all yeah, apart. Worse and worse. <laughs> Where are we going on vacation next month? I know. And, and the truth is, the, their world has been is better than it's ever been in history. People are living longer. You know, I mean, the, some of the statistics are that by the year, I think 2027, there's already nations that have plans in place that starvation will be eradicated. 
I mean, man, the world is transforming all around us, man. And it's not getting worse. Why? Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is like leaven. It's like yeast. Right. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And it's been increasing now for the last 2,000 years, which to God is only two days. And, you know, we're, we're, we're just in about the third day or age, you know, of this renovation project. Right. You know, and our job is to do our part in our generation to then also now raise our kids to believe that they're here to change the world. They're not here to leave the world. That's why, you know, says Jesus is the savior of the world, not the savior from the world. Mm. You know, I was raised being taught he's the savior from the world that, <laughs> that you know, we had to get out, yeah, get know? out of here. And I said, you know, it, it's that mentality is the only mentality that prays for the other team to win so we can leave the field. And I said, you know, it's so silly and ridiculous. My neck is getting tense, man. <laughs> I know, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, and, but when you're raised with that kind of fear, and those are the types of things that have actually driven people away from church. I actually heard one time, and I may not get the person right. I thought it was Dawkins. Okay. Right? You know, I mean, famous atheist. Right. I probably someone can correct this or whatever, but, you know. Google it. Exactly. But I think it was Dawkins that I, I'd read one time that he actually, I think, had been raised like in Christianity. And he became an atheist mainly because of Matthew 24. Okay. He said, Jesus said, this generation shall not pass away till all these things come to pass. And speaking about his coming and his return. And Dawkins said, if Jesus did not come back in that generation, he's a false prophet, a liar. You can't trust anything he said. And then he walked completely away from Christianity. Right. Which is wrong eschatology because actually it did happen in that did, generation. Right, yeah. right. And, so, and so that's that whole thing of, man, what you don't know can hurt you. You know, ignorance is not bliss, mm. you know, and again, ignorance is darkness. And we have way too many people that are living in darkness and you don't transform the darkness by screaming at it. No. You turn on the light. And so our job is to turn on the light and listen, man, we're in a new day. We're, we're in a new age, right? you know, and this is a season where, man, I mean, God is bringing all these things to light and people that have been turned off or run away and left for years, they're going to start finding people that are now starting to make sense of all this stuff. And I believe, because I don't really believe people, again, have run away from Jesus. I sat with a, a, an atheist on an airplane here about two years ago. And I mean, he became an atheist growing up in church, went to seminary. So it was studying the Bible that made him an atheist, you know, because <laughs> he saw all the contradictions and everything else that we don't ever like to talk about because, you know, bless God, the Bible is right. in error. That requires intellectual honesty yeah, and it, maybe it, a little study. Hello. And uh, he started asking me questions. And I finally just said this to him. I said, listen, I'm really not going to argue the Bible with you. The truth is a lot of the stuff you probably have issues with, <laughs> I do too, right. you know? And I said, but let me ask you this. I said, uh, the life of Jesus, the ethics of Jesus, the anthropology of Jesus, how, uh, how Jesus lived his life, the, the teachings of Jesus. Uh, what would happen if everybody on the planet just started following that? Mm. And he looked at me and he said, heaven on earth. And I said, I thought you didn't believe in heaven. He's like, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> just but, but, but he said, he said, if everybody loved their neighbor, uh -huh. you know, if everybody loved their enemies, you know, after a while, there wouldn't be any enemies, nope. you know, he said, if everybody, and I said, okay, I believe he was the son of God, God in the flesh. You don't, but wouldn't following his teachings at least make sense for the world to change? And he said, never thought about it. You know, and I said, well, whether you even believe he's God or not. Right. All right. I mean, let's just set that to the side. Following how he treated humans, mm -hmm. you know, because I love, you know, N.T. Wright is one of my favorite theologians. And N.T. Wright says all the time, he said that Jesus not only came to show us what God was like, but what a human is supposed to be like. Right. 
Because Adam was supposed to show us what it meant to be a human, but he messed that up. But Jesus came and he said, now let me show you how to be a human. You know, not not only let me show you what my father looks like, because you got him wrong all all through that Old Testament. You know, you you hijacked who you thought he was. I'm here to show you. No man has seen God at any time, John 1, 18, until Jesus showed up. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is like, listen, man, let me really show you what the father looks like. And man, how he treated the other, how he treated the outsider. I mean, how he treated his enemies. I mean, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. There was no retribution. There was no anger. There was no, I'm going to throw you in prison someday. You know, I mean, everything about him was that way. I think that's what people love. And I just think the church hasn't emulated it, you know, because we've just confused it with all kinds of other stuff. This audience, you know, the new age side of this audience is, I mean, the new age community loves Jesus. (laughs) They don't view him as God. They, right. him, they say, you know, he's, he was an avatar. He was a, yeah, a yeah. prophet, whatever. But they love and they're quoting him all the time. Like all this, and His it, message is beautiful. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's easy. <laughs> There's, I thought about putting, you know, when I was coming with the name New Age Christianity, I, I thought yeah. about throwing an of in there, right? Uh, New Age of Christianity. Uh, and I realized that what is, it's so different. It is, to say, you know, New Age of Christianity is to bring in, so much of the dogma that still require, like, absolutely, you know, oh, well, Christianity is changing, but it's still the answer that everyone has to, you know, versus realizing Christ is the word to realizing yep. that, that there is, he's so much bigger than what Christians have wrapped him up as. Come on. But I digress. <laughs> the most important one for the world, we just went over. What do you think of all the 70 in there? The most important would be for this audience, for someone who would say, yeah, I'm a new age Christian. Um, you know what? Um, I really think the ones I just shared was okay. really kind of more, more what I had in, oh, for in that. mind for that. And again, I mean, <laughs> there's piles of stuff in the book that I think would, would relate with folks. Um, I know, especially those that have had some kind of a Christian background to me, the number one, one for me when it comes to that was a passage of scripture that put me in bondage from the time I was very little. I mean, uh, some of you will understand this. You know, I got saved at least a hundred times by the time I was about 14 right. from this passage. And it's found in the book of Matthew. And whenever we would have revival meetings, you know, uh, an evangelist would get up. And if he wanted a full altar, because that's what was a successful meeting, rather than right. teach you who you are as a son so you don't have to constantly come to the altar, it was, no, no, we got to keep you needy all the time. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and keep you coming. Drug dealers. Absolutely. And, you know, it was like, yeah, it was just Bible crack, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but where Jesus said one day, he said, many in that day, or he said, some of you, he said, you can prophesy my name, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, do all these miracles. But many in that day will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these miracles in your name? And I'll say, away from me or depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And they would say, see, Jesus here is talking to Christians who are doing miracles and healings and all the all this stuff. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm like seven, eight, nine years old. And I'm like, seriously? I'm right. like, you mean I can serve God faithfully and do miracles and healings and raise the dead yeah. and be like Moses? At the end of my life, I strike the rock rather than speak to it. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200 straight to hell. I said, I'm going to go get high. Right. You know, so I went and got high for I'm seven out. or eight years. Yeah. You know, I mean, I did. I was like, this is ridiculous, man. This is impossible until, again, something we weren't taught in church was proper exegesis right. and audience relevance. When I began to realize that Jesus was speaking to Jews, not yous, that's what I normally tell people. <laughs> Jews, right, the Jews yous. are not yous. And, you know, to a Jew, healing the sick, raising dead, do miracles meant that you were a prophet. And the heading of that actually says Jesus is speaking to false prophets. 
Right. And there, he was not speaking to any Christians because there were no Christians till after the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Right? The covenant had not even been enacted yet. And so he's speaking to Jews under the law, and under the law, it was all about your behavior and what you did. And for some reason, I think we always write into that passage that Jesus said, depart from me, you never knew me. Mm-hmm. Because when it got preached and taught, it was always like, well, you don't have a relationship with God, so he's going to say, depart from me. But that's not what it says. It says, depart from me, I never knew you. And it's like, well, that's speaking about 70 AD. It was speaking to Jews about what was coming because they rejected their Messiah, which was him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, there was no relationship there. And then that doesn't mean that they were con- continually thrown out and destroyed and everything else. But just natural perishing or natural death. Why Jesus in Matthew 23 is weeping over Jerusalem. And he's like, man, you've killed the prophets. You've rejected me. I'm weeping. I see what's coming because your violence is going to stir up the Romans to come kill you all. And that's not my heart. If you had to listen to me, yeah, and if you had to listen to the Sermon on the Mount and loved your enemies, you uh, you guys wouldn't have to be destroyed, right. you know. But this is what's going to happen in those last days, the last days of the temple, the last days of Jerusalem. Yeah. And so, you know, all of that then began to take place. But I think, you know, that's why when you go later on there in Matthew 7, you get to the end of Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. Uh, he starts telling the story about the, there's a man who builds his house on the rock. The man who builds his house on the rock is the man that hears the word and does the word. Right. And his when the winds, waves, storms, and troubles of life come, his house will stand. The man who builds his house on the sand, when the winds, the waves, the storms of life come, uh, his house gets wiped out. And then he says, great will be the fall of that house. Right. All right. So he was talking about the destruction of the temple. All right. Mm-hmm. He's not just talking about us that build a house in New Orleans compared to <laughs> you right. know Colorado. Because Abraham's seed would be like the sands of the sea. Absolutely. Building yeah. his house on Absolutely. the sand. Well, also and, the stars, and, which and, is the spiritual and version. And Adam the Sandman. You know, I mean, that's what I always right. called Adam was the Sandman. You know, <laughs> you, you build your house on flesh, on Adam, but you build your house on all of that mess. It's going to be destroyed, but great will be the fall of that house. And Jesus even said, many will say in that day. We really ask, what day? So what right. day is that? What when you, you know, when you get, stand before God someday? It's not what it's talking about. He was talking about a specific day that was coming. But that has nothing to do with the Christian. Because Jesus is never going to say, you know, and I'd even go far as saying anybody at all post-cross. Right. <laughs> all right. Because he views us all as his offspring and his children. Yep. I don't think he's ever going to say anybody, I never knew you. Died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Yeah. First John. Mean, yeah. For him, for him to say, I never knew you when we know he knows us by name. So I studied this years ago and I didn't look at it on that side. I looked at it, the, uh, you workers of iniquity, understanding the difference between iniquity as a nature yep. and sin as something you've done. Right. Yep. And so the law, the yep. Jewish system was never designed to take away sin. It could not take away iniquity. Yeah. So you can, sin. you can do yeah. all of these things yep. as long as you have iniquity. It's good. It's good. Christ is not there in that, but he came to remove iniquity. Absolutely. So the greatest in that is you know, John the Baptist, he's the greatest born of women, yep. you know, which is, there's a whole lot of exegesis there, oh, yeah. but it's just the same concept is yeah. you can be amazing in that, but you still, that law, that system was never designed to take away iniquity. Absolutely. And yet the least on the other side of the in cross the has no iniquity. You're not a worker of iniquity and you may build foolishly, but you still have the foundation. Absolutely. Right. And so everything changes when you realize the difference between iniquity. And I did it with, uh, just aired a two-part series yeah. on, on sin. Cool. I didn't even use that word iniquity, but I talked right. about the difference of the sin nature versus sin actions. Yeah, and I studied that years like ago. Martian Sarks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I came to that understanding of like, oh, he's talking. This is an old covenant people he's talking to. 
Absolutely. I, I'm not there in this. Right. Because there's iniquity there. And none of us were born in Adam because Jesus was the last Adam. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, where we 2,000 years, everybody's been born in Christ. Yeah. They just don't know it. Exactly. And they just need to have a revelation of Christ in them, which Paul said was the mystery hidden from the ages. You know, so the <laughs> mystery hidden from the ages is to the Gentiles is Christ in you, the hope mm-hmm. of glory, not Christ to you. In other words, so our job. Now unveiled, my, my job, now revealed. Right. My yeah. job, I believe my job as a preacher of the gospel, the good news, is to reveal the Christ in people, mm-hmm. not to reveal Christ to people. That's why Paul on the Damascus Road, I think we always had this picture of that story that this light appeared to him and Jesus is shining outside of him. But Paul said on the Damascus Road, Christ was revealed in me. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I mean, the truth is, if Jesus was the eschatos Adam, the final Adam, the last Adam, I mean, there's been no Adam for 2,000 years, yep. you know, and so we're not born in him, we're not born in Christ, but we still need to have revelation of Christ in us to enjoy all the benefits that, yeah. that the cross did. So there's still, believing is still important. Yeah, uh, that's really, believing is like the whole point. Absolutely. You don't have to do anything, you just, <laughs> believing is the only work. It's the work. You know, Absolutely. That we were enemies in our minds. Correct. So, well, we're almost at an hour. That man, time flies. I knew it. I, I <laughs> we knew that would happen. Anyway. Right? <laughs> so I definitely want to have you back to do, I think probably fathering's the next one. I would love that. I think there's so much. It um, That one for me was, because it is largely abused and it's largely misunderstood, but man, the value. Yep. The value you can find in that concept. And the, I'm you know, essentially growing my spiritual family as yeah. spirit leads now. And, Absolutely. you know, just connecting with those relationships. And uh, well, everybody needs someone mm-hmm. that affirms them, that says, I believe in you. I don't care who you are anywhere in the world. There is a power that gets released when someone in a, in a fatherly position, whether it's a coach, whether it's an uncle, a grandfather. It doesn't matter what it is, but when they look, because I've said this for years, that the affirmation of a father empowers a son. Mm-hmm. The discouragement of a father cripples the son. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we now live in a generation that has uh, many of them been raised fatherless. Yeah. And even if their dads were there, they weren't engaged. You know, they were there, but not there. And so, you know, we have so many that have orphan mindsets. And so they'll love Jesus, but not want anything to do with his dad. You know, they're like, me and Jesus is cool because I can relate with my big brother. My big brother was always cool with me. You know, he might have beat me up sometimes. And, you know, I mean, you know, teased me and, and, right. and uh, you know, I mean, uh, gave me titty <laughs> twisters and <laughs> everything else. I mean, he might have done that, but, you know, he was always there for me. But dad, you know, that's why we've got a lot of people right now. And I told you about one of the young men and sons uh, that's uh, connected to me. He's writing a book right now from theology to Abbaology. Right. And that. You know, we've had this idea of God, but really not God as father. Yeah. And because we've had, we've had jacked up views of what a father is. And, and when you, when you really see God as Abba and he's good and he's better than the best father on the planet, no matter what father you could come up with, he's better than all that. It just changes the whole way, whole way yeah. you view God. Well, and, and I believe it's kind of the chicken or the egg. Do you see God, the father differently? And then you see the Bible differently? Or do you see the Bible differently and it makes you see the Father differently? I think the journey probably goes both ways, depending on who you are. But you can't have, I've never met anybody who has this (laughs) all-powerful Zeus with a lightning bolt perspective of of the theos of the Bible and then looks at Father and like, oh, I just so love him, right? (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> like Jesus, like, but you know, anyone who loves the father, like truly loves the father and feels love from the father, you find that they're very much wrestling with the Bible or they've already wrestled and they've won. But either way, like you, yeah. those two go hand in hand. And so if you're someone who has a hard time relating to God, the father and Jesus or these different avatars like Buddha or whatever, yeah. they're kind of your window to God and you're yeah. having a hard time going straight to God. I would say this book is tailor made for you. Because it's the type of thing that says, look, if you can't have a relationship with that God, I get it. I actually highly suggest that you don't. But if you want to have a relationship with the Father, heart of God, and you need to have some of your perspectives renewed, this book is, I love the fact that it is like a devotional. Yeah. You can just meditate on something the rest of the day, this little quick you know, one to three pages. Absolutely. Super easy. Well, and and let me say this. I mean, uh, a couple different things. These are on Amazon. So, I mean, you know, you can go to Amazon, uh, Amazon and Kindle um, should be up on Audible within the next month. We're still because mm-hmm. this is newer in the last few months and we're still working with like the middleman that does kind of all that type of stuff with, sure. with Audible and everything. But I also have an audio version with commentary. OK, so like I read it in this scratchy voice. Uh, I read <laughs> each of these myths and then I add like five to seven minutes of commentary to each one, like additional. And you can get that actually right now as a download on my website. It'll be on Audible within hopefully the next month or so. Perfect. And then iTunes and everything. But uh, yeah, those are the different venues you can get that. Perfect. And we'll put a look, link, a couple of links, yep. uh, affiliate links to the book on Amazon. I'll put a link in the description or the, you know, the show yeah, awesome. notes to your website, specifically to that page, every of that. And uh, yeah, you do, you, Jamie runs a uh, Apostle Jamie. I don't ever call you that. Yeah, I just it's just not my. I don't ever call myself that either, right? I love it, but it's so. I go to like your events, and I was like, "Oh, Apostle Jamie." I'm like, "Yeah, Yeah, Apostle Jamie or Bishop." I love it. Yeah, Bishop. That's what I I only ever introduced myself as Jamie. You know, I said, you know, I I believe Paul said, "I may not be an apostle at all, but I am to you." Yeah. So I just be to people who they receive me as. I love it. If you receive me as an apostle, then that's cool. If you receive me as Bubba, I'll be Bubba. You know, I don't, I mean, I preach at a church in Texas every year. They introduce me as Bubba, you know, I'm like, whatever, you know, I'm like, I, I'm not hung up on any of that. So if someone demands you call them something. Yeah. Look I mean, out. Yeah. You better probably run away from that person. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so also consider uh, supporting his ministries and the dude, I mean, you're all over the country and you do. Yeah. Yeah. All over the world. And you can follow me also. I put a lot of this different stuff on Facebook, you know, where I'm going. I still put controversial stuff up. I try to, I try to behave <laughs> a little bit on social media, uh, but I will throw stuff out there. But you have my, especially my public figure page, you can go follow that. And right. uh, my friends, that one sends to, tends to stay full at 5,000 or so. And then right. every once in a while I'll look at it and they're 25 down. So I must've taken somebody off. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> but, yeah, you're very he's, you're very active on Facebook, yeah. you know, which is good. And uh, consider donating. Also, you know, consider donating to New Age Christianity. We always appreciate uh, you uh, considering that. And uh, between you and the Spirit, you and Abba, right? There you go. So uh, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I love this. Been I love blessed. it. It's good. Been so, all right, guys, we will uh, see you on the next episode, and uh, we'll have. Senior Inglehart back another day to talk about fathering and uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for your time. Bless you.